Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. The Go Radio Football Show with The Taxi Centre. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! Well, what did you think? Offside, onside, too close to call. Hearts head coach Robbie Nielsen thought his team was beaten by the officials at Celtic Park last night uh, rather than Kyogo's 14th goal of the season. Ange Postacoglu said, you can twist the story any way you like and Celtic should have won more comfortably than 1-0. Stephen Craig, and what did you think of that goal? Well, Scottish football never disappoints, Rob. There's always a talking point, there's always a headline. I think the first thing that jumped to mind as soon as I watched it was we need VAR in this country as soon as possible. It stops the conspiracy theories. It stops people getting upset with each other, falling out. If we can get to the bottom and get the right decisions, I think that's the only way forward. And of course, the night before it was uh, Ryan Porteous on Ryan Kent. And that penalty five minutes from time as Rangers won 1-0. So they've both won 1-0 on consecutive nights. But as Craig says, VAR would have sorted it. We're going to hear in the course of the show from the Rangers manager, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Uh, today he was backing the introduction uh, from next season. I think it is going to be happening for next season as long as the clubs vote for it. Uh, the playback system that is VAR, which originated in his native Netherlands. And it's high time, isn't it, The Scottish football uh, caught up on the technology front? Absolutely, because the discussion has been, since VAR came in, the cost, the cost, the cost. That's the only being, sorry, that's been the only stumbling block, the only talking point. I think we're at a stage now when you look around the major leagues in European football, I, I, I haven't looked beyond world football, but certainly in European football, Rob, it's in the top leagues. And if we want to be branded as one of the top leagues and we want to associate ourselves with one of the top leagues, then we have to get it in as soon as possible. We have to help referees out. You know, we watched the three incidents on Wednesday night and Thursday night and we get seven, eight angles off it at a game. Sorry, if you're sitting in the house watching it or if you're working at a game, you get seven or eight angles. The referee gets a split second. So why not give them an opportunity to go and see what we can see and what the punters at home can see and then come to the right conclusion. Give them a second look to get it right. I've no doubt the referees are crying out for help. They want it in as soon as possible because I'm sure the flack that they're taking, they would love to have it removed from them and they can get to the bottom of it and get more decisions right. It's Stephen Craig and Rob McLean and it will be Neil Alexander with us, the former uh, Rangers and Hearts goalkeeper, will be with us uh, shortly. Won't you, Neil, if you're listening in the car <laughs> and getting ever closer to the Go Radio studios? 0808 17 17 700 if you want to join the football discussion, talking football, that's what we are doing between now and 7 o'clock. It's Friday, which is unusual for Craig's and I. Um, if we get thrown in the course of the next couple of hours, you'll understand we're not off and on on a Friday. But we're looking ahead to the weekend. We're looking back, of course, 
on that uh, win for Celtic last night uh, with controversial, the word attached to it, uh, possibly on the back of the goal, the much debated goal. Um, the, that uh, freeze frame is being sort of photoshopped mm. everywhere, isn't it? Um, as uh, both sets of supporters try to twist it their way. Uh, there was a fairly animated reaction uh, to the goal being given uh, from uh, Robbie Nielsen and uh, he spoke afterwards. It's offside. The ref, the league was going to make a decision. It's a key decision in the game. Doesn't he make it? You know, I can't really say any more than that. He's there to make the decisions. He's looking straight along the line. He can see he's offside. And he doesn't put his flag up, and that's the disappointing thing. Yeah, he's ahead of the ball. He's offside. The funereal tones of uh, Robbie Nielsen, and he uh, he really took that badly um, last night, didn't he? Although it may be. Um, that all that can maybe camouflaged for him some great chances that Hearts had second half to to yeah. equalise. I think if if Hearts had equalised in the game, I don't think Robbie would have been as strong in his uh, criticism of the officials. Uh, I have to say, first of all, what a wonderful game! You know, we've campaigned often enough that our best game should be on the TV. If we want to uh, showcase the league that we have and the quality we have, we need to get the best games on TV. And certainly, Celtic Hearts is one of our top games in the country. I just felt the tempo of the game, the quality of football, Hearts had to hang in there at times, they had to ride their luck, but they carried a threat. The two things you need when you go to Celtic Park, you need to be able to carry a threat, which usually comes with pace and energy, and you have to be good with possession when you land on the ball. You've got to be able to build your play. And probably that's something they can improve on and something that is work in progress. But I thought, first of all, terrific game, really enjoyed the game, so both teams deserve a lot of credit. Um... Robbie is frustrated because he will be looking back and thinking we could have had something from that game. I wouldn't say should have, but the big moment he feels went against them. I think if he lost 4-0, I don't think this moment would be, or we'd be talking about this moment. The fact that it was the, the definitive moment in the game and he feels it went against them. My point on it is I have not witnessed or viewed one camera angle or one picture that shows me clearly that Keogh was onside or offside. There's no angle, running right along the line of the ball, there's no one looking at Tony Ralston's foot and putting the camera right along. And this is where VAR would come into it and it would have it done properly. I know people are drawing lines on Twitter, <laughs> thick ones, thin ones, the lines are bent with, you know. So I don't mean it's hard to take it serious, but there's nothing for me definitively to say is offside. And people have said, I've said that to someone today and they said, well, he looks offside. I said, well, I've just checked the laws of the game and looks offside or looks isn't in it. It has to be offside or not. And Robbie actually contradicted himself slightly in that uh, interview he had because he said the, refer the referee's assistant's looking down the line of the ball. He then said he's slightly ahead of the ball. He then said he he's beyond the ball. Neil Alexander's just walked in, so we'll get an opinion of him soon. Yeah, well, he's not renowned for his pace. Um, but <laughs> well, he that's has, two of us, Rob. He's done three of us, actually. <laughs> he has done a little mini sprint into the studio. Um, I'm going to give him uh, five seconds to get his breath back, but being an athlete, um, he won't really require that. He is, of course, the former Hearts goalkeeper, the former Rangers goalkeeper. Um, and your old team, uh, well, we've just been listening and you'll have heard uh, the clip before, I would have reckoned Robbie Nielsen was a bit cheesed off um, yeah, understandably. About, 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 that, uh, about that ruling last night. What did you think? I thought it was offside, yeah, quite blatantly offside as well. And, you know, I feel sorry for Robbie because they've, they've gone there and, you know, Parkhead's a hard place to go at the best of times. You know, when you don't get the decisions, you don't get the breaks, it's even harder. You know, I think um, Celtic first half with a better team. But I think Hart's second half came out and put a really good performance and possibly could have deserved the draw out of the game. 
you know, with the work rate that they've put in, Robbie will be very disappointed to take anything from the game. And, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. It's a clear offside. I don't know how the linesman's not spotting it. I know we spoke about VAR. I think if VAR had been here, which it will be next season, I think that they've been clearly offside. So you don't think you don't think it was too tight? One of those ones that you no, actually I'm, have to have to acknowledge a human error because actually it's a split second. I, moment. I think it's quite obvious because in the build up, he's he's a yard offside. He's a yard behind the defence. Even when the ball gets played across, and then when the ball gets played wide, he's still in an offside position. And he doesn't like check and then go back in. He stays, and the Hearts defence don't drop that back and, and level with him. He's still half a yard. And I think it's quite obvious. I don't know how they've not spotted it. Mm. My point is, I, there's no definitive angle that shows that he's offside. There's no, there's no camera angle in line with I don't, Tony I don't think there needs to line. be. I think it's so obvious. I think it's so blatantly obvious that he's offside. But the referee's assistant can't give it then. Ro- Robbie said in his interview, he's looking down the line of the ball. Yeah. And then he said a split second later, he's ahead of the ball. So if, unless the referee's assistant is standing right behind Tony Ralston and looking when Tony Ralston makes contact with the ball, he can't put his flag up, yeah. otherwise he's guessing. Yeah, I totally understand he's, that. If he's not he's a yard ahead, certain, he's, he's a yard ahead of the yeah. ball yeah. because he's running alongside. I've seen the Rob early. He's running alongside Tony Ralston. He's trying to keep up with him. Tony Ralston slows down to cross the ball. The referee's assistant keeps going. So by the time he turns back to get his flag up or have a look at it, he's now out of position to look down the line of the ball, yeah. which is why he can't give it. The referee can't give it because he yeah. thinks. If the linesman's flag doesn't go up, or if my assistant's flag doesn't go up, I can't give it. Yeah, and and, so and, I can and see the referee's like relying on his linesman, correct, to make decisions. So I know and he has to be in the right position. The, the referee, but it really is a call of the linesman. But I thought, for my opinion, I think it's uh, it's the wrong call. What we need is VAR. Um, we do, and and actually, as recently as this afternoon, it was being put to the Rangers manager Giovanni van Bronckhorst. Um, whether uh, the time is right uh, and we should catch up on the technology being used elsewhere. I'm uh, for VAR. You know, we have you can have situations in games where it's very difficult for the, for the ref to see, to make decisions up, so VAR is there to help, which is very important. Yeah, I'm uh, from Holland. I think the VAR came from Holland. So, uh, and, you know, it's uh, it's fair to have the VAR for, for both sides, really, and... Uh, so I'm really uh, for VR uh, next season. Because these are things that, I mean, there will, there will still be debates in football, and there are, even even with VAR implemented, we see it on a on a weekly basis, there, there, there will still be the talking points. But there are certain things that, that are factual, and and th- and that's one of them, and and it can get a bit annoying when it's an armpit or a or a big toe or whatever yeah. that is the difference between onside and offside. But but you seem to to reckon Neil that had that been VAR'd last night, that would have been quite clear yeah. cut. Yeah, definitely. You know, I do I do feel sorry for the referees. You know, they get a split second to make a decision. You know, they're only human beings at the end of the day. They do make mistakes, and you know, they need help. We've said this for years. They need help. And um, you know VAR will hopefully help them and, and clear up a lot of you know debates like this. But we'll have nothing to talk about then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think it's become more rounded. You think what, what two years ago when they're in the Premier League down south, and year on year, there's incidents ar- arising, and then they're changing the laws of the game because they're thinking, well, we can't do that, we can't do that. So I think by the time we get it up here, it's been that long since it started. By the time we get it here, it should be almost perfect. Yeah. There still will be little indiscretions which we'll still argue about and people will fall out about, but. I would imagine the decisions will be, wouldn't be 100%, but they'll be as close as they can possibly get to being right all the time. Incidents like penalties and free kicks and handballs, whatever else comes into the, the VAR bracket, will be subjective. 
you know, the referee will be asked to go and have a look at certain things. If he doesn't think it's a penalty or he thinks it's a penalty, mm. that that will still be there. We'll still have slight debate. But certainly, you know, the quicker we get in here, the better for the game. And the standing in the game and how it stands around Europe. We might get the cheaper version of the VAR light <laughs> movie. We're going to wire down, of course yeah. we will. No, well, not yeah. But, but I know that, the, that there is there are talks going on at the moment and I think the clubs have to vote on it. Um, but let's hope we can have it in time for, for next season. And I think that would be the plan in the Premiership, at least, um, so that uh, moments like last night uh, can be sorted out once and for all. The arguing will continue. And certainly the arguing was continuing in terms of the two managers last night because after uh, Robbie Nielsen had had his say... This was the response from Ange Postacoglu. The referee made the difference today. Is that the analysis, is it? Well, it's not my analysis. I think we were the better team. We deserve to win. James Forrest didn't have a chance. So if we're talking big moments, who had more big moments? So you can talk around, you can manufacture a story any way you want. The reality of it is that we dominated that game of football. It's a 1-0 game. They're always in the, with a chance, which is fair enough. If we had been more ruthless in the front third, a different scoreline. You can certainly twist the narrative, can't you? Um, and, and even if you were to take out the goal, um, you look... I mean, I, I can remember at least probably three really good hearts chances second half to, mm -hmm. to score. But then, you know, you can turn it around and say you can look at the James Forrest one close in. Yeah. You can look at other Celtic opportunities where they could have built on the goal they did get. I said just before Neil came in, it's because the one single goal was the big moment that's frustrating Robbie Nielsen. That's why, you know, I wouldn't say he feels he's closer, but that's they're separated by goal he thinks is debatable. You know, he he's angry, he's frustrated because he thinks if that isn't given, then, you know, for Celtic's domination and Celtic's play, they only managed to score one goal which he feels is offside. That's why Robbie Nielsen was frustrated and angry. He wasn't saying they were the better team. He wasn't saying they had more possession, they had more chances. He was just saying the one moment in the game, the big moment where he wanted a little bit of support or he felt that the assistant should have got it right. I think that's what's irking mm. Robbie. That's what's frustrating him. There's no doubt Sally with a better team. I think they're 69% possession. I think they're but, but I mean, actually, Hearts, I mean, Hearts were I mean, so much honestly, better it was a great than the game. last time they were at Celtic Park in the League Cup. And that, well, you know, he was obviously really pleased about that aspect. And, you know, they had really good chances to yeah. score. And that doesn't always happen. That's a bit that'll be hurting them. Yeah. The fact that Stephen Kingsley had the header. I mean, yeah. he was what, seven yards out and he's managed to put it wide somehow. Uh, Barry McKay had the shot across goal. Craig Halkett, who you would normally mm. think is good in the air, had mm. a good chance as well. So if any of those go in, then I think Robbie's after match press conference will be slightly different. Yeah. And in a tight game... Uh, Celtic came through the previous night in a tight game mm -hmm. at Easter Road. Rangers came through, and and that's very often Neil the way it is. Yeah, I mean, I was I was doing the commentary in the Rangers game, and you know, I was looking forward to it immensely. I thought this was going to be a cracker. You know, it was built up to be a really good game, and and it, it did disappoint. You know, I was disappointed in the game. It was it was poor. The quality in the final third from both teams um, wasn't the best, but these are the games. These are tough games when you go to these stadiums, Easter Road, on a on a, a midweek. Um, they've just turned you over in, in a cup semi-final so Rangers were going there looking to sort of avenge that in, in some way and Hibs would have been full of confidence after beating Rangers and you know I was expecting a game full of goals full of quality but it, if I say it failed to live up to that but Rangers got the, the decision on the night they were they were the better team they created some really good chances Morelos should have scored before half time with his header six yards out hits the target he scored um, Hibs never really caused Al McGregor any problems to be honest so I'd say Hibs were a better second half, Rangers were a better first half, but you know it's a fantastic three points for Rangers because they didn't play well. They didn't play well at all. But you know, if you're going to win titles, these are the games that you have to dig in and get these results, and they did. So 
you know, the manager will be absolutely delighted three wins out of three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that wasn't a great game, but but last night's was, wasn't it? Mm. That, that was uh, that was a great showcase for for Scottish football. It's great that there there were three nights of of Scottish football yep. on television, um, and certainly uh, we'd be happy that uh, about anybody looking in on last night and saying, "Hey, that's Scottish football. Yeah, that's good." That. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I'll, I'll be honest about Robbie. Probably in his younger days as a manager, he was a bit pragmatic. Going to bigger games and bigger stadiums, you think, you know, as a young manager, we've got to go, we've got to be hard to play against, we've got to. Whereas last night, he picked the team, but he, I think he said in his pre match interview, 4 4 2, Aaron McInniff been as a second striker, almost been off midfield. And he thought, you know, we're going to have a go at it, we're playing pace in the team, we're going to have energy in the team, we're going to take risks now and again. And I thought, right, okay, you know, let's see if that actually comes to fruition on the pitch. And it did. You know, they could have lost by 3 or 4 0, they could have nicked the game in the end. You know, if Stephen Kingsley scores in suddenly there in the front foot, Jota's off the pitch. Um, Stephen Welsh goes off the pitch you think right okay then if Hearts had got a goal with 10 minutes to go they'd have been the team in the ascendancy so I think it just shows where Hearts have came from as a team from that game you talked about earlier mm. in the Premier Sports Cup when they lost 3-1 mm. 3-2 uh, possibly but, three, let, two, yeah, but they, let's be yeah. honest it could have been anything in the first half yeah. Celtic were absolutely dynamite in the first half so to see where they've come from and the fact that they're going to go to Glasgow and put up a fight the bigger frustration for Robbie is that he will come away thinking we should have nicked something there yes they had chances and they had but towards the end of the game, Hearts were the team you thought if there's going to be a goal, it was going to go their way. You're listening to Stephen Cregan, Neil Alexander, Rob McLean, the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre on a Friday, heading for uh, the weekend, heading for uh, another hefty helping of Scottish football. Looking back on last night, of course, we'll hear more from Ange Postacoglu, his reflections, Robbie Nielsen as well on that big game, Celtic 1, Hearts 0. And Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, we've heard him already on VAR, we'll hear him on a variety of other subjects as well, looking ahead to Rangers match against Dundee tomorrow. Uh, what are you thinking um, about the Premiership placings at the moment? What are you thinking about the prospect of uh, VAR uh, ending some of the talking points in Scottish football? The Go Radio Football Show with the thetaxicentre.com Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go, go, go. Friday's Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre, former Rangers and Hearts goalkeeper Neil Alexander with us, Stephen Cragen here as well, Rob McLean in the chair and looking ahead to the weekend it does feel like we're in the midst of a, uh, a non-stop Scottish football spell at the moment with the, the midweek games being spread from Tuesday to Thursday there's of course championship football tonight it's a cracking game actually isn't it Craig mm-hmm. Inverness against uh, Kilmarnock the, uh, the championship must be the best league in yeah. the world the most exciting league in the world because two points separate the top five one point separates the bottom five well you know, particularly with Kilmarnock because everybody thought because they're automatically being relegated, well, they'll be the previous to go back up. That that certainly hasn't proved the case. You know, they've found wins hard to come by at times. Teams have raised their game. Inverness, you know, are right up there considering where they were last year. Wraith Rover is always a good team to watch. And you've got to say, the most impressive team in that division, I always think, are our broth. Yeah. The only part-time team looking down, the only part-time team now in the league, yet they punch above their weight. They're up there, promotion, what are they? Two points off the top. You know, Dick Campbell does an incredible job. You'd yeah. imagine even just be looking at that just now. Dick's first thing is don't get relegated. Well, looking at the table just now, they're certainly not going to get relegated and that's after 15 games. So they have a real chance to push themselves into the playoffs. And at the bottom, John Hughes takes over at Dunfermline, bottom of the table, win two games, and now they're sitting sixth. 
Yeah. Mental heart works out. Yeah. Maybe the tightest uh, league in the world was the description I was looking for. Maybe it wouldn't be the most exciting league in the world, but uh, certainly plenty of exciting games in it with all those teams tightly packed together. And it is a league of two halves in the Premiership at the weekend. Uh, Aberdeen St. Mirren tomorrow, Hibs Motherwell, Rangers Dundee, St. Johnston Ross County. And on Sunday, Dundee United Celtic. That's 12 at Tanadice and Livingston play Hearts at uh, three o'clock. Let's get Craig in Cumbernauld into the discussion. Hi, Craig. Hi, uh, Rob, Neil and Craig. How's doing? Good, thanks, Thank Craig. You. All well, thanks, Craig. What would you like to talk about? Um, well, two points, really. Firstly, I want to make a point about VR, and then I'll the game tomorrow. I have said to Royal, I think VR is a great idea. I think when we first bring it in, we'll we will experience the same kind of teeth and problems they did down south. But um, I also have said for a long time now that in, in the meantime, my biggest issue is I don't feel like linesmen and fourth officials do enough to help the referee in games. You know, week in, week out, you see decisions being made where the linesman has actually got a far better view of it than the referee. Sometimes it's right in front of their face and they're not helping the ref whatsoever. They're not doing anything mm-hmm. and the ref's getting the decision wrong because he's not getting any help. Now last night I thought it was offside but I would say that being a Rangers fan I suppose but in my opinion you know <laughs> I think it was offside however I can't argue that Celtic deserve to win but you know decisions like that will be resolved by VAR hopefully I just worry about in the meantime because for years we've seen how many decisions that have been you know, say bad to the absolute farcical mm. at times, and I think part of it is because linesmen seem too scared to do their jobs and help the referees. Yeah, that I mean, I must say, Craig, that's a real bugbear of mine as well. Watching lots of football and just seeing uh, sometimes uh, assistants and fourth officials, Neil, just they, they're just turning away, not wanting to know, keeping the flag down, waiting for somebody else to make the decision for them. Yeah, it's almost like they're scared to make the decision because they know they're going to get criticised. Whereas, you know. Do your job to the best of your ability. Yeah, you're only human. You might make mistakes, but if you see it, call it. You know, you're talking about you know managers' careers because that can be the difference between a manager losing his job or keeping his job or you know the points that might win your title or something like that. So it's it's yeah, V we're screaming out for VAR and you know probably there's an instant in every game where VAR could come in and, and help the referees and that's what we want to do: help clear up these decisions that at this minute are causing a lot of debate that potentially they could be getting wrong. Yeah, I mean, Craigs, you've got a team of four there, mm. but not if only one of them is actually actively involved in the decision-making process and the man in the middle is not mm. getting much help from, from the other three. I think the v, uh, sorry, the fourth official is quite content to get involved when it's in his area. I think once it goes the other side of the pitch and down mm. the side, I think they're quite happy to step back and not get involved in it. What I would say on referees' assistance is unless they are 100% convinced that they know what happened, they can't put their flag up or they can't draw the attention to the referee. You have to say that. And I remember speaking to Stuart Dougal about it. I said, you know, you must know. He said, listen, we don't give things unless we're 100%. So unless they say it like last night, I know Craig said he thinks it's offside, as did Neil. I just think the referee's assistance position is a yard ahead of the ball. So he has no idea if Kyogo is in line with... Tony Ralston not because he's out of position to see that if he's standing directly behind Tony Ralston he will see it clearly and if he thinks he's offside then his flag has to go up that's why I don't think he put his flag up last night plus I also know some referees have said in the past I don't know what happens now I'm in charge don't put your flag up unless I want to draw attention to you so don't put your flag up I'll deal with it 
If I want help, I'll come to you. So I that's some referees taking I think control. the communication's got to be better. There's the four of them, obviously, the fourth mm. official. He's in communication with the referee and his mm. two linesmen. So how can't the linesman tell the referee and tell the fourth official what he saw and why he let the goal stand? And then the fourth official explained to Robbie Nielsen. And then that sort of qualms any any questions that Robbie Nielsen has. There's obviously no conversations because Robbie's still angry after the game. He's coming out saying, I'm angry. I tried to speak to the ref and he wasn't giving me any answers. If the fourth official has a word with Robbie on the sideline, just after the goal, said, this is why the goal stood, that clears it all up, then maybe Robbie can just go on with it. Mm. I do, because there's that, there's not that explanation, Robbie's angry. Yeah. I do feel for the fourth official, mind you, I wouldn't take that job <laughs> uh, for a, a large salary, I don't think, because it's just 90 minutes of total mm. earache, isn't it, from the, yeah. the two managers. It's almost like, uh, you, you know, you're the psychotherapist in the middle. between you're a referee the, in a boxing the, match, almost. <laughs> I almost. know, exactly. What was point two, Craig? Yeah, well, point two is sort of in, on, on, on tomorrow on the, the later points and in the Rangers right now. You know, I think um, obviously it was delighted in 2008 to get the three points. I think, you know, we've now won four weeks on the bounce. That's a real positive, you know, for a team who over the past week and a half since the Cup, we, you know, the League Cup semi final defeat has very much, you know, with as you expect after a, a poor performance like that. And a lot of people, I mean, I listened earlier on the week. Um, and people are talking about Celtic being favourites of the title. I don't agree with, but I think um, I'm going to lose you just now, Craig, and we'll and we'll get you we'll get you back on hopefully with a with a with a better line. Um, but I think uh, what Craig was about to go on to say there was that despite all those talking about uh, the balance of power shifting um, in the title race, uh, he obviously is convinced. That, that Rangers are, are, are on track. And, and certainly, um, it's an, an impressive run of results. It's only three games, but but uh, Giovanni van Bronckhorst is off and running with uh, with a winning beginning to his time at Ibrox. Well, it's a difficult time to take over when the team are doing well, they're top of the table, the expectations are high. So when he took over, the last thing he wants to do is upset the cohesion. You know, he doesn't want to start coming in and making lots of changes, trying to give the players lots of information and suddenly they get on the pitch looking a little bit confused. You want to try and keep it as simple as possible, try and keep what they've been doing to to a certain extent. But I think in all three games, he's changed things tactically slightly. You know, particularly against Sparta Prague, he played with two holding midfield players. Glenn Kamara played 10 yards deeper normally than what he does. And I think that was all based on watching them against Hibs in the Premier Sports Cup semi-final. When they get overrun in midfield, he get caught in the counter-attack and the centre-halves were exposed. So he thought... Rather than playing one holding midfield, playing two ahead of it, I'm going to play two deeper. And I just feel as if Glenn Kamara's actually got better playing in that role. Against Livingston, he changed and he put Scott Arfield in, he said after the game, because there's gaps in behind. There's gaps in Livingston back four that Scott Arfield could exploit. And I thought, well, that's good. And then the other night, the fullbacks played yeah. a little bit deeper. Yeah, that, was, a, that was the biggest thing I saw from the game the other night. And James Tavernier and Boren Barris, it's hardly crossed the halfway line. Mm-hmm. Now, we're used to seeing them in the final third, putting balls into the box with the opposite one maybe being at the back post. They hardly got in the, in the final third on Wednesday night. So they were obviously, they've spoke about it. He wants to be a bit more sure defensively. Um, he knows he's got ability up front. He knows he's got players who can he can hurt teams and score goals. I think he's just maybe looking to shoot up that defence because probably what he saw at Hamden when he watched against Hibs, that probably gave him a little fright. You know, how poor they were defensively, three, three down after 40 minutes. And he's probably thought, right, that's the first thing I need to address get the defence tightened up because we know if we can keep clean sheets we've got players at the other end of the pitch who can win us games and that's what happened the other night Ryan Kent fantastic never really got into the game but there was a few occasions in the second half where he got the ball and he drove at the Hibs defence and got crosses in the box 
and then on the third occasion he, he cut inside and a little bit of skill and he was too quick for Ryan Portis and, and obviously the penalty came about so you know that's what Rangers need to concentrate on getting the ball to the flair players let them do their job be solid defensively and you know I think they'll be they'll be decent going forward now It's a big decision that though isn't it to 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 say to your fullbacks right you're, you're staying back we're looking for more insurance well, defensively Not because... really because the evidence was against Hibs yeah. You know, they won't do it every game. I think, you know, certain games will say, well, listen, they don't have the same threat up front. They don't have the same pace. Yeah. They're not going to try and play the same right, way. Right, so a game by game thing. Well, well that's what yeah. I'm saying. So I think he's changed his tactics mm. every game, which means he's not just saying, this is how we're playing. We're not budging. We're not moving. This is what we're doing. You know, that's very one dimensional, I think, at times, particularly when he's a new manager coming in and still trying to get to know the players. So he's probably basing a lot of it on what happened against him at, at uh, Hamden Park. Totally. Yeah. So that's why the other night said, well, we can't go to Easter Road and we can't have Borna Barasic and James Tavernier overlapping and underlapping. And suddenly, one ball down the side exposes mm. Calvin Bass against Martin Boyle, exposes uh, Kevin Nisbet against Conor Golson. One slip, one moment of brilliance, we could be a goal down, and it's hard to come back from. So basically, what he said is, we'll go there, we'll be compact, we'll be hard to play against. Exactly what Neil said. When it's on to go forward, be selective. If you think there's a good chance to overlap, go and do it. But James Tavernier, if you go, Borna Barasic, you're staying as a third centre half. If Borna Barasic goes, you're coming in staying as a third centre half, James Tavernier. So just little tactical things. And I would imagine the players are thinking, all right, okay, this is slightly different. So it's it's, it's always fresh mm. and keeps players on their toes. And he, he's changed the team, he's changed formation, he's changed his tactics. And I think that so far it's worked. It'll be interesting to see when they've got Pataudry away. Uh, this month they've still got to go to Celtic Park uh, in early January and they've got to go to Hearts in a couple of weeks' time. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of tati- yeah. uh, tactical plan he puts up there. Because it's, it's totally been such a big part of Rangers' success. Yes, I totally agree with what Stephen said. You know, the assists that have come from both Tavernier yeah. and Barisic. And I think you'll find Rangers versus Dundee tomorrow at Ibrox. I would imagine maybe Dundee will sit in a bit more and Rangers will have a lot of the ball. So you might find tomorrow... Steam said it'll change a little bit and you might find James Tavernier and Boran Barisic getting forward a bit more and, and getting into them sort of forward more areas and putting cross, crosses into the box but it, it, it probably will be a game to game thing and I, I would have thought they maybe got a fright as I said in the semi-final Martin Boyle and Kevin Nisbet tore Rangers defence apart and I think they might have been scared of that so he's yep. probably saying I want my full backs to sit in let's be a, a tight compact four and let's not give them anything he was talking today, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, about Conor Goldson. There, there's been uh, the rumour machine has been in operation today, suggesting uh, that he turned down the offer of uh, an extension at Rangers. He was wanting to head back to English football. This was the manager's response. No, no. Uh, I spoke to Ross about it today. He's still talking with his agents, so uh, no, nothing new. Uh, thing we have to uh, have to say. Still uh, on speaking terms with the agents, so we have to wait. Of course, I saw reports he rejected the offer, but that is untrue. They're still talking, so hopefully we can have some more news in the in the coming uh, coming weeks or months. How important do you think it is, Neil, to hang on to Conor Goldson? I mean, obviously, it depends on how much money he's looking for. That's a big factor in the equation. Yeah, and obviously Rangers have a, a strict wage structure that they want to stick by, and if they think that Conor Goldson's asking for too much, then you know they stick by that and, and they reject it or whatever he's looking for. But... You know he's a big player for Rangers. You know he's he's hardly missed a game. He's been a, a he was a huge player last season. He started this campaign a wee bit inconsistent, um, which is a bit worrying. Obviously came out with the comments mm-hmm. after the semi final uh, again, which is worrying. You just don't know if he, if his head's in it. But you know being out of contract and that can take your concentration away. It is a worrying time for players when they don't know where their future is. So that might be on the back of his mind affecting his his performances so the, the sooner they get it tied up either way you know if they decide that he's staying or, or he's going to go then probably the better for both the player and the club 
Because he is the constant, isn't he, mm. in central defence for, for Rangers? I mean, currently Balogun is out on the way back. Helander's been out for a, a long time. Uh, Katic is a, a, away on loan. No. Um, he he is the he he is one of the first names on that team sheet, isn't he, Connor Goldson? Um, what what are you thinking, Crags, about what's going on at the moment? And, and is he is he being? Can you see it in his game at the moment? That in his head he's wondering what's happening here. I think sometimes because there's speculation around a player, every time he makes a mistake or he's in a wrong position, people automatically think it's because he's thinking about his contract. Mm. You know, he's trying, he's out of contract. It's affecting his game. It's not sometimes you just end up in wrong positions, but because of the speculation is going around about it and he hasn't signed his contract. And, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago, I didn't mind him coming out and questioning players' hunger because quite clearly something needed to happen after that Hibs game. Mm. Something needed to be said to try and spark people into action because when he played Sparta Prague a few days later, it was a completely different team, as in energy-wise and appetite. Everybody then is focusing on, are they hungry? Are they going to run about? You know, Do they have the desire? So he brought everybody to the fore. And if anybody didn't show that on the night, finger would have, fingers would have been pointed at them. So I don't mind as an experienced player coming out and, and trying to cajole his teammates. He was probably, it sounded, you know, during the interview, he was trying to deflect it away from himself. But sometimes you need the older players in the dressing room to say something. But I think, I think these things can be said in-house. I don't think he needed to say that in public because it just sort of has questions then asked to every single individual. And, and you know, there's people in that team, and I know boys like Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis, they're 100% focused, they're 100% hungry to win everything. Every day in training, they turn up, they, they give everything. So, you know, he's questioned them, people who I know that that doesn't apply to. So, you know, if he's got them issues, he needs to call it that in the dressing room, behind closed doors. You know, I would imagine there would have been team meetings you don't, I don't think you need to become in public with things like that. I just don't think it does anyone any favours. I'm not sure it would have the same effect. You know, if you have it in house, listen, we've had many arguments in a dressing room, you walk away, everybody shakes hands and gets on with it. Whereas I think that left that lingering. Uh-huh. He probably wasn't talking about Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis. So it must have been a few he was wanting to have a little. It was just getting to him. He thought something needs to be said. He wanted it out there, didn't he? He wanted it out there just to try and spark people. I think he wanted it out there to try and spark people into action because he was so disappointed with the result that they could have got the cup fine. If Rangers go on and win the league title this season and win the Scottish Cup, People will look back on that moment and think that was the moment where things may have turned a little bit, where he was brave enough to set or stupid enough to set. Who knows? Come the end of the season, Alan McGregor was actually asked his, his reaction to it, wasn't <laughs> it? And he and he said, "I don't read any papers and I don't hear things." <laughs> that was one of his quotes as well. But I mean, there would have been a pretty spectacular reaction to that, wouldn't there? Yeah, you know that Rangers dressing room. I think there would have been a lot of players who wouldn't have been happy with what he said. You know, because I, I know the type of player that needs. You need to be to play for Rangers. You've got to have a very strong mentality. There's, there's no way you cross that white line on, on a Saturday or a Sunday and, and don't give 100% and don't go out to win and do your best. Obviously, things happen and something, it, obviously, it doesn't always happen. But I just think, in, in a defeat like that, I think it's up to the press officer or one of the coaching staff or the manager to pick the right player to do the right interview after that game. And I would have gone with a more experienced Al McGregor or Stephen Davis who you know who's not going to say anything controversial or the who's captain. just going to say the right thing or the captain who's going to say the right thing for that right moment you know it was a mm. poor performance really bad defeat and on top of that you put your Conor Golson's going out there and he's making controversial statements I just don't think they needed it at that time and, and as Stephen said it might might give them that little kick up the backside that they needed but I still think you could have that kick up the backside in the dressing room or in the training ground by the right people and if Conor Golson's got a problem with someone, he needs to deal with that, pull the, paw aside, pull the person aside or have a word with the manager and say, you need to have a go at this person, he needs a wee kick at the backside because he's not giving us what we want. 
Well, we certainly weren't complaining about it. It's done a fair bit of media <laughs> mileage since those coats from Conor Golson and Rangers have bounced back, of course, both in Europe and uh, domestically, and they re- retain their four-point lead at the top of the Premiership. We're talking football till seven. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go, go, go. Regular traffic and travel updates. Uh, it's just a shame Neil Alexander wasn't listening to them earlier on. <laughs> and he, he might have been here on time. But the former Rangers and Hearts goalkeeper is with us uh, on the Go Radio Football Show on a Friday. Stephen Cragen uh, was present and correct and uh, half an hour in advance of the start of the show. Uh, <laughs> Probably getting full pay tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, we've still got an hour or so to go and there could be fines uh, to come for you. Don't worry about it. Right, into the weekend we are heading... Uh, uh, four games tomorrow in the Premiership and two on Sunday. It's Rangers Dundee Ibrox tomorrow. Uh, Neil's going to be watching that one, I think. Aberdeen against St Mirren, Hibs against Motherwell, St Johnston, Ross County, Crags, you'll be on duty in Perth uh, for that one. Dundee United Celtic is the early game on Sunday and Livingston Hearts is three o'clock. Hearts, of course, having played last night and lost last night and uh, 1-0 Celtic it was 1-0 Rangers the previous evening at Easter Road and uh, 36 plays 32 at the top of the Premiership at the moment Um, and just signs maybe Crags that the top two are starting to pull away yeah particularly Hearts losing last night Um, you know they lost at Motherwell a couple of weeks ago as well so there's just games that if Hearts or Hibs or Aberdeen are, are to stay within a title race deep into the season they have to win games when they're not playing well you know, Neil just touched on it there about Rangers on Wednesday. Didn't play well at Easter Road. You know, Hibs probably weren't much better, but Rangers found a way to win. Whereas Hearts, if things aren't going well, they can't get a or find a way to win. You know, they didn't do it at Pataudry. Mm-hmm. I think Hearts have only won two away league games this season, which would have been Dundee United. Well, I think Dundee United was the last one anyway that they won. So uh, that was the 28th of August. So you can't go that length of time away from home and not winning games. You need to pick up points when things aren't going your way. And they won't get it easy at Livingston tomorrow. No. tomorrow. Now, I know Livingston haven't been in great form. It's strange, Livingston have only won one home league game all season. Which and, that, against, and that used to be the strong point, didn't and it? And that was against Celtic, yeah. which is incredible. People t- you know, have this myth about the, sur- about the surface and how they have an advantage, whereas teams have now seemed to have worked it out and go there and are getting up better results. But the one thing you get with Livingston, hard work, it'll be a physical game, and Davy Martindale will be desperate to turn around after you were at the game Wednesday night when they didn't play particularly well against Aberdeen. So Hearts won't get it their own way there. And the earlier game, of course, Dundee United against Celtic. Um, and Ange Postacoglu's team looking to keep up this very strong domestic run. Uh, they've lost only two of their last 15. Both those games were against Leverkusen in the Europa League. They're only drop points in that spell at home to Livingston, where, of course, they missed a late penalty in the game. That since the end of uh, September. Big win for them last night, uh, but at a cost. Uh, they've got a few injuries. Again, that's, for us, a good sign of resilience because um, we obviously lost some key players during the game. And it's Carl Starfeld's first game for five weeks, Toby Rogic's first game for four or five, Adam Montgomery's first game for four or five. So the fact that they were able to see how the game was positive, but um, obviously we've picked up a couple of injuries. Um, I don't know the extent. We'll, we'll find out. <coughs> I'm hoping it's, it's not too serious. Tony's probably the one that's most concerned because so, you know, for him to come off, I'd assume it's something significant, but we won't know. Yeah, Tony Ralston um, injured last night. But Jota, as well, he didn't really mention Jota there, um, su- suggesting 
uh, Neil, that, that that Ralston was the, the the most serious of the injuries, but it did look good for Jota. I mean, it looked it looked like hamstring, didn't it? It did. The, the signs straight away when you you know when you know when a player holds the back of his leg, it's hamstring, and you know they can usually be three four weeks minimum. So you know if he's fighting fit and can play, then that's a huge boost to them. Ralston's been excellent, you know, and totally deserved his Scotland call up this this season. Um, so he could be a big blow. And obviously Welsh as well. So defensively, they're going to need a bit of cover. But that's why these teams have big squads. And hopefully they'll have boys to come in and fill in. And, um, you know, hopefully it won't, won't affect them too much. But I will say, uh, Ralston is a bloke because he has been exceptional this season so far. You were making the point about Jota, that even if it was a mild one and it was only a couple of weeks, yeah. that's still quite a few games. It's four because games. there are so many going four on. Four games. I mean, if, you're, if he's two, two and a half weeks from Thursday night, he can miss five games. You know, because it's so congested in that that space of time. So what you would say is, he over the last couple of months, he's probably been the best player in the league. He's yeah. the one player where you think, whoa, you know, he's got something. Particularly when he first came in, he was a bit sluggish and you think, well, he hasn't got up to speed. Once he's got up to speed, he's lightning quick. He can, you know, uh, how quick he is in transition from defence to attack when he picks up the ball. He can go inside, outside, he scored a couple of goals, assists. So for Celtic to lose him, you know, particularly in the first part of the season, I think, Kyogo was probably their their spark. He was the one that was bringing them to life. I think Jota's now took yeah. that mantle on. I think he's the yeah. one player now that brings him to life. I, An opposition will fear. I don't think they'll even risk him. If he's 50-50, 60-40 to play, you know, he's such a big player. I think they'll think, well, do you know what? If he misses the Dungeon 8 game and then he's fully fit for the rest of the games, mm. we'll do that rather than try and risk him for one game and have him out for four or five weeks. So they might play on the on the side of caution with this one because he is such a big player they might feel like well we can go to Dungeon United without him and still hopefully get the result um, and would you agree with Craig's that he is he the best player in Scottish yeah. football at the moment definitely yeah, definitely he's been outstanding yeah, yeah as I say he had a wee bit of a slow start but obviously it's difficult for foreign players coming into the country to get up to speed and you know settle into a club and you know as the weeks have gone on he's got better and better and he's got a fantastic partnership with um, with, the, with the Celtic forward players you know whichever he plays he, he He's phenomenal. Some of the things he's done already has been exceptional. So, you know, Celtic, you know, will do well to get him tied up to under a contract. I just look at that front. I'm saying front five. James Forrest played last night and was good. But you look at Rogic, he makes him better straight away. Mm-hmm. Turnbull becomes better when Rogic is there. McGregor becomes even better when Rogic is there. Furuhashi can make runs because he knows Rogic can find him. And Jota, you know, so that kind of McGregor, Turnbull, Rogic, Furuhashi and, and Jota, that's a big five. The sixth one, Forrest, his form's up and down. Abada's form's up and down. He's only 19. Mikey Johnson can he nail that down. So, you know, when they're in full flows, a couple of times they broke last night from the edge of their own box. It was one touch, two touch. And within a matter of seconds, they were on the edge of Hart's box. And it was just so free-flowing and, and so entertaining, so open. So, you know, when you've got a good player like Tom Rogic, I think he clicks it all together because he takes a ball anywhere. You know, Turnbull can take the ball anywhere and he can find people. And I'd said to you before, it's amazing how many times good players pass to good players. Turnbull looks for Rogic. Rogic looks for a hash. You know, that little triangles, they always look for each other because they trust each other. They know they're good and they're in the same wavelength. And when that all works out together, they really are good to watch. The, re- the rejuvenation of Rogic has been yeah. pretty spectacular, hasn't it? It looked like he was heading for semi-retirement in the Middle East. Yeah, and it's and probably helped having the manager coming in, yeah. you know, um, and he's probably given him a new lease of life. And I was just about to say that I think middle to front, Celtic are looking exceptionally good. I think, obviously... Defensively, there's still a few question marks, and we spoke about it earlier. Robin Nielsen set up his Hearts team to have a go at Celtic, and he was probably thinking we can get at this back four. You know, if we go aggressive there and we have a go and we press them, those mistakes can be made. 
obviously they've got to be solid at the back which they are Hearts defensively were very good the other night and obviously got a fantastic goalkeeper in Craig Gordon um, but I would imagine Hearts would have fancied themselves get at that Celtic defence you know there's, there's maybe an error in them and they'll maybe get chances um, but well, they done okay didn't they yeah they did do very who, well who at times are isolated 1v1 yeah. and even with Ginelli's pace I thought Welsh and Starfield done yeah. really well against them yeah I mean Hearts you know had two shots on target you know and I think Celtic coped very well I don't think I mean, Celtic had 25 shots. You just see how the game's gone. You know, majority of the possessions. So, um, so midfield to front, are they better than Rangers at the moment, Celtic? At this minute in time? Yes. And that's just on current form. Obviously, I watched the game on Wednesday night and I've, I've seen Rangers quite a lot this season. And, um, you know, they, they, listen, Hibs made it difficult for Rangers the other night. And um, obviously, I think both teams cancelled each other out. Um but from this week's form, Celtic playing on Thursday, Rangers playing Wednesday, Celtic in the forward areas are looking, are looking very I think it's more fluency. The yeah. synergy's better between... More dynamic. Well, it's probably because it's more consistent. Right. Because it's more consistent, you know, mm -hmm. very seldom does Ange Postecoglou change his front line. He changes one or two here and there, but he normally goes with the same players all the time, which is maybe why Alexa Rogic is getting a little... Sorry, had a knock. Why Jota's tying up because he's asking the same players to go and do the same things continue whereas Rangers have chopped and changed and still have to get that right dynamic Heading into the weekend and Celtic trailing Rangers uh, by four at the top of the Premiership Celtic at Tannadice on Sunday Rangers at home to Dundee tomorrow another hour of football chat on the way Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well the taxi centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof. Ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With Taxi Trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options, and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. Football show with the taxicenter.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go, go, go. Yeah, we've just come off some pretty frantic midweek action and we're bang into the weekend as well. In fact, there's football tonight. There's uh, Inverness Cali Thistle against Kilmarnock um, in a very tight Championship, there's just a point between them. Uh, Billy Dodds, Cali Thistle on 28. Uh, Kilmarnock are joint top of the championship on 29 with Wraith Rovers. So Inverness against Kilmarnock and in League Two, Edinburgh City against Annan is being played tonight. Then it's into the Premiership games Aberdeen, St Mirren, Hibs, Motherwell, Rangers, Dundee, St Johnston, Ross County. And on Sunday, Dundee United Celtic, followed by Livingston against Hearts. In terms of the championship, uh, tomorrow are both against Wraith Rovers. Hamilton played Dunfermline, Morton against Air United, and uh, Queen of the South against Partick Thistle. So those are the games coming up on the back of a big one at Celtic Park last night, which has uh, sparked a whole lot of talking. Um, starting with the two managers immediately afterwards, of course, and uh, uh, Robbie Nielsen less than happy. I'm a sweet man, he cares, did he? Let's be honest. You know, just move on, don't we? That's what happens in football. You know, you get you get fill a couple of lines in the morning, and it's Livingston Sunday, so there's no point talking about it now. You know, I've, I said my piece after we were at Ibrox, and I get, you know, I had to write a report to say what I meant by it, and I get chased up about it. 
can't be bored doing it anymore, to be honest with you. you know, it's just it's football in Scotland on a Sunday now. That's the way it goes. Uh, you know, we need to come here and play doubly well to get the points. Can't be bothered doing it anymore, Robbie Nielsen, sounding decidedly cheesed off there last night. And, uh, you know, uh, yes, of course, he, he felt wronged by the decision-making process on the goal. But what's also probably happening in his head, head at that point is those chances in the second half that weren't taken. And as we were saying uh, before the news, um, maybe had hearts equalised, they've gone on to win the game. Um, and also maybe the fact that it was it was a game where if Hearts had got something out of it, they just stay in, they felt as if they were staying in touch at the top. Whereas losing the game, suddenly there's a, a five point differential between second and third, and Celtic have got an extra game to play as well. It's because he feels so wronged. You know, he's he's adamant about the decision, and that's the thing that will stick in his gut. Um, and I said it earlier, as much as Celtic had possession and they had chances, they didn't score them. You know, so Robbie's looking at it and thinking, irrespective of how well we played or how well we didn't play, the one moment that separates the teams he thought could have went his way, Ange's come out and just said, well, you know, we played well, we were the better team, but that doesn't mean to say you deserve to win the game, sorry, not deserve, it doesn't mean to say you win the game just because you were the better team and you had the most chances. You know, for all their play and all their interplay and changing and, and, and best players in the pitch, they didn't get the goal. A legitimate goal in Robbie's eyes. And you can tell he's still carrying over from the Ibrox to Bakel as well when he when he was pulled up in front of the beak. So it's, something's just bugging away at him. And it, he wants to say things, but he, he has to bite his tongue because it will cost him a few quid. One of your old teams, of course, Hearts, Neil. What, what are they capable of, do you think, from, from here on? I mean, they've got off to they've got off to a great start. If you'd if you'd given them 27 points from 16 games at this stage, they would have bitten your hand off. Probably a, maybe a bit disappointed with some of the results. In, in recent weeks but but they're still up there if they can kick on from here and and you would imagine last night's performance not the result but the performance would give them yeah. some hope well it just goes to show the expectations that Robbie has on his team you know he's disappointed going to Celtic Park and, and not getting anything getting anything from it you know he, he felt like they've probably they've had chances they were hard done to with a goal but they, he probably is disappointed that they never got something out of the game after all the work they've done so um, that's why I'll be bitterly disappointed but Hearts I mean, Hearts over the over the course of the season, Hearts should be finishing third. You know, outside Old Firm, they you know they're a fantastic club, huge club, great support. Um, they've probably got the third biggest budget, um, maybe alongside Aberdeen, maybe between mm. them and Aberdeen. Um, great squad, you know, young, vibrant, you know, lots of pace, lots of energy, lots of flair, and he's made some great signings. So you know, I can see them challenging. Okay, there's a wee bit of a gap. You know, opening up now, and I think that's why I'd be disappointed as well because he would want to keep as close to Celtic as he can. Um, but listen, there's still a long, long way to go, and there's still points to be won and lost. So, you know, they, they, he'll be happy where they are. He'll be delighted they've got off to a, a decent start. Um, you know, obviously, big game on Saturday. They've got a fairly decent um, December where there's games that they can go, obviously, their way to their home to Rangers, sorry. But they've got games that they think they'll be thinking, I can take maybe 12 points out of 15 in, in December. I could start to December for Celtic, uh, winning that one last night by a goal to nil, but still eight more games for them to come this month, including a cup final 
as well. Uh, and maybe some of uh, some of it is going to come down to personnel, who's available, who's not, who's in, who's out. They suffered some injuries last night. And of course, they had uh, Tom Rogic and, and Carl Starfelt back in after five weeks out. You know, it's not just the work we do with the players, but the work we're doing with, with the guys who are coming back to make sure that they're ready because it's not easy to come into our side. We, we, we play you know, very high tempo. It's very demanding on the body. Um, so the guys have to be ready to go. And, um, you know, the backroom staff, uh, medical team, sports science, all the coaches are doing a lot of great work with these guys. So, um, so it was great to see them come in and and, and sort of slip into it so well. Um, as I said, Tommy was never supposed to play 90 today, but obviously with the injuries, uh, we had to we had to make a call on him to, to keep playing. Uh, you know, it's we're going to need it. Um, it's not just about 11 players for sure. We're going to need a, a whole squad to get through this series of games. Are there fears of burnout here with the demands on these players players being so great, Craigs? Yeah, and, and it probably it's based on the depth that Celtic have. You know, Celtic mm. probably, you know, the watch are probably the best team in the league at the minute with regards free free throwing football and open and attractive. But very seldom does Ange Postacoglu change his 11. He maybe bring in Forrest instead of Ibarra, but the rest of it, mm. Rogic will come in instead of Beaton. But the rest of it doesn't really change an awful lot. So you're asking the same players every three or four days to go and put in a dynamic performance, go and, you know, give everything you've got. And that takes its toll after a little while. Rangers probably have more strength and depth, whereas if they make subs in the game, it might enhance them or it might just keep it level. Whereas Celtic don't have the same quality. You know, you lose Jota and you bring in on Mikey Johnson, who will be, you know, no doubt probably a good player in the future when it comes. I mean, he's 21 or 22, so he's not a young boy anymore, but he's not at the same level as Jota. No. You know, so suddenly you lose that. If you lose Jota for Sunday, I think Celtic are a weaker team without Jota in the in the team that's clear to say but then because you're playing so many of the same players all the time when you bring Adam Montgomery in he's not playing an awful lot you bring in James McCarthy he can't get into the team so he's struggling Mikey Johnson can't get into the team so he's playing a bit part player even Sorrow if you bring him in you know they haven't been playing regularly at that kind of tempo and, and intensity so because you're sticking with the same 12-13 players all the time you've got 12 or 13 players where you want them to be but you've got 6 or 7 below who are nowhere near that kind of level so that's why when you make changes there's a little bit of an imbalance but you know, it's eight games, Neil said, eight games they've got. It's not as if they've got three or four until the, the winter split. Eight. And that's a lot of legwork. Although they play at home to Real Betis, I would imagine a lot of those guys in the Europa League against Real Betis won't play in the game. I don't mean it'll be brushed over, but they need to think of yeah. bigger league games and a cup final coming up before the winter shutdown. Cameron Carter-Vickers back for Sunday? Yeah, he'll be right for, yeah, he'll be right for Sunday. And Greg Taylor, is, um, not for Sunday, but definitely next week he'll be, he'll be back in it too, which is good. So that is that is good news for Celtic that Greg Taylor is back on the scene for them. So they're losing them. They're they're getting a few back. And do you feel that December is a massive month? Maybe the month of the season for Celtic in some ways because if they can stay in touch, stay close, do what they're doing up till the January window, that's going to be the chance, uh, Neil, to to get the reinforcements in they need so that he can freshen up the team a little bit more. It's a big month for every team out there, you know. It's a big month for Rangers as well. They've got quite a lot of games. Um, but for Celtic, yeah, it's huge. You know, especially at this time of year, with the games that Celtic have come up, this is where it's so important to have a big squad. You know, boys that can come in and not affect the team, um, just go like for like with whatever's in. Um, and Celtic, yeah, Celtic can't afford to be dropping any points because if Rangers go on a run and keep winning, keep winning, Celtic are constantly playing catch-up and they can't let that gap get too too far away before January. January's going to be a huge month for, for Celtic in terms of who they'll be allowed to sign, who they can bring in, you know, to try and bolster their squad. Um, I think, obviously, depending on injuries, that might play a part, but 
you know, defensively, he might want to look and bring in a few just to solid up that defence. Um, but yeah, this is a key month, key month for every club. I mean, this for every team, you know, in the whole division, you know, this can be, you know, a huge month for Ross County. You know, can they get out? St Johnston, not been doing too well. So it's, it's a big month for everyone. A lot of games and a lot of twists and turns and a lot of points can be won and lost. Yeah, just looking at the, the league table at the moment, the Premiership, Rangers 36, Celtic 32, then it's Hearts 27, Dundee United on 25, uh, Motherwell 24 on the back of uh, that win. We were there on Tuesday night. Uh, Craig's great goal by uh, Tony Watt, wasn't it, to, to win it in the uh, sometimes um, bizarre conditions. It was uh, it was tipping it down. Um, Hibs on 18, they're, they're, they're level on points with Aberdeen, uh, which is kind of remarkable uh, when you think about how the, the much Aberdeen have struggled so far this season. But then you look at Hibs' recent league record, uh, maybe the... Their, their recent record is camouflaged a bit by the semi-final win mm. because they've lost six of their last seven in the Premiership. You just mm. think, even with a few points out in that spell, um, they would they would be up much closer to Hearts and Dundee United. And I think it just puts even more pressure on tomorrow. Home against Motherwell. You know, that's a fixture the Hibs fans will look at and think, you know, we should be winning that. We have to win it. Mm. So they have been quite patient probably up till now, the Hibs fans. And I'm not putting pressure on anybody. I'm just, it's a fact that Hibs and Hearts are big demanding clubs who expect to win games of football, as are Aberdeen. Um, I think they probably carry more expectation and more pressure than clubs in the bottom half of the table. That, that's just a fact of life. Um, so they will be looking at Motherwell tomorrow, and if they can't go out and arrest that that poor league form, you know, you would think questions will start to be asked, or people will start to become frustrated, noise will start to grow. Uh, so it's a huge game for Hibs in that aspect, whereas Motherwell probably coming off one of their best performances of the season. You think, can they go and replicate what they've done on Tuesday. You know, we spoke about it on Tuesday at the game, didn't we? about consistency, but they've won three out of four. I think it's just because they were so bad against Dundee mm-hmm. and people question consistency. But if they can back up that performance that they had at Fir Park on Tuesday, plus they've had an extra day's rest ahead of the game, you would think, they, you know, they could go there and easily win that game. They've done it last year. I think they went and won 2-0. Jordan Roberts was unknown from Hearts and got, got the second goal. So there's no reason my mother can't go and win the game. And if they do, then... I think it just increases the hype and the pressure around Hibs' poor form. Yeah. I think the semi-final one against Rangers has sort of papered over the cracks a wee bit and given Jack Ross a bit of breathing room, you know, because everyone's talking about how well they did. They've got a cup final to look forward to. But as Stephen says, 60 teams in the last seven, that's worrying for a team like Hibs. You know, especially after how well they did last season. They should be they should be up there, you know, challenging third place. Um, but yeah, massive game tomorrow, Motherwell. But then they've got Livingston away, St Mirren away, and then Dundee at home. So there's four games that the Hibs players, Hibs management will be expecting to take maximum points. And they may be thinking, well, we can get out of this poor run and get some back-to-back wins. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem for them might be that, that that semi-final win tends to camouflage some really poor league results of late. Uh, and the other worry for them will be that the the, the final the cup final takes away yeah. from from league games as well. Everybody's thinking it, about getting getting to yeah. the getting in the cup final team, and winning, it does winning a trophy. Yeah, it does happen. It can be on the back of players' minds. They might think twice about going in for a 50-50 tackle, about doing something they wouldn't normally even think about doing because they're so desperate to get in that cup final eleven to get on that pitch, and it does sort of take away from the league form a wee bit um, because all the all the media, all the expectation for the cup, everyone's looking forward to it. Um, so that that could play a part, but you know, there's four games that Hibs will think we need to win these four games and get back to back to winning ways and get up the table. Yeah, with Martin Boyle and Kevin Nisbet and Christian Doidge is back on the scene now, and uh, 
Chris Cadden down the yeah. down the sides and John Newell. Yeah, they've they've got a lot, lot of good players. They shouldn't be a yeah. mid-table team. No, they shouldn't be. You know, but the fact is that's where they are based on the results that have went against them. You know, they've lost games they probably feel they shouldn't have been losing. You know, going to Ross County, for example, after the the League Cup semi-final and thinking, right, okay, you know, this will be a real test of can they maintain those level of performances and Ross County then go and get themselves a 1-0 victory. So it, it's a real psychological and mental test for these players. You know, they're going to have to show resilience and Motherwell tomorrow go in there going to say, let's go and play the game in their half. Don't pass about in our, in our half and, and, and encourage them to come and press. Don't let them off the hook. The Hibs fans will be waiting to go tomorrow. If Mother will get the first goal, they'll be desperate to raise their voice and be restless. And Mother will have to know that. So they will desperately get the first goal, play in their half, force them facing their own goal, make it a really ugly, horrible, scrappy game and see if they have the fight and desire to come through it. See if they have the real resilience to get through that type of game. If they get in front, I think the shoulders relax a little bit. They start enjoying themselves. But it's certainly not going to be a straightforward win, that's for sure. It's a surprise to see Hibs in mid-table. It's also a surprise to see St. Johnston third from bottom. Now, they play Ross County tomorrow. Craggs is there. And if Ross County were to win that one, and it's not unthinkable that they would win it, uh, then they would go level on points with St. Johnston, Neil, um, which which is incredible, just when you consider what St. Johnston did in the two cup competitions last season. Yeah, they've, such, they've set such high expectations off of last year. You know, they massively probably overachieved. I think they would admit that themselves. Um and they've just not lived up to that I think um, you know they've got a really good team obviously lost one or two key players but they've still got the nucleus of a really good squad um, but no wins in four games it's, it's worrying times they failed to score in eight of the last 15 games and they've only scored nine goals this season which is the lowest in the league so you know that tells you I think in forward areas they're just, they're just struggling to, to put the ball in the back of the net which is the biggest mm. the biggest thing in football Um you know, they've got some massive games coming up. They know they've got a tough, tough December with, you know, Aberdeen Rangers and Celtic within three of the five games they've got. But tomorrow's game against Ross County is is a must win. They must be picking up points and, and change, their, change their luck. It's going to be interesting to see what Dundee can do at Ibrox tomorrow, isn't it? Because they've won their last two. They've beaten Motherwell and St. Johnston. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible uh, at the bottom of the table what, what six points out of six mm-hmm. does. As One minute they're locked together with Ross County. Suddenly they're above both Livingston and St. Johnston. But that, this is a massive test for them tomorrow. Well, it's huge for them, but you know, I'm not saying it's a free hit. I hear people using that that kind of phrase, it's a free hit, but they can go and, and go and attack the game. And so one thing of James McPake, he always sets his teams up to go and try and win games. You know, they lost six against Celtic. They lost five against Ross County. St. Johnson beat them 3-1 at McDermott Park and they were awful. They scored a late goal to make it 3-1. But it doesn't deter them. You know, they keep coming back. They keep wanting the ball. Danny Mullen's got himself, I think he's got three in his last three. Mm-hmm. And Danny Mullen was always a striker, I always felt, who was a scorer of good goals. Not a good goal scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas he's maybe he's got three, three in his last three. So, you know, with Alexa Charlie Adam, who can make things happen, he's a good passing range, it'll be an interesting test for him tomorrow in the big pitch can he get about midfield as much as what he used to well that would be you know up for question tomorrow but certainly they have to go there with confidence and belief they have to go and take part in the game don't go and sit back and hope not to get beat if that's the case inevitably you end up getting beat so if they can continue I think it's three wins out of four for them as well go and attack the game go and have a go at it Rangers will be tired Rangers will be fatigued just as much as Dundee are go and have a go at the game Stephen Craig and Neil Alexander Rob McLean talking football the Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi Available exclusively to the taxi trade Let's go, 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 go. Heading into the weekend with Glasgow's own Go Radio uh, The football show for a Friday 
And about uh, half an hour or so still to go. Looking ahead to Rangers against Dundee, Ibrox tomorrow, uh, Hibs against Motherwell, Aberdeen St Mirren, St Johnson against Ross County, Celtic at Tannadice on Sunday. I think one of the stands is closed um, on the back of uh, half of it falling off <laughs> the other day. Um, so for safety reasons, there will be three stands in use on Sunday. Uh, and Livingston against Hearts and uh, maybe just a feeling that that could be an awkward one for Hearts bearing in mind all they poured into last night at Celtic Park absolutely and it's the one thing Livingston tests you off is your appetite for the game even though they're not as big and as physical as what they once were under Gary Holt they still have a lot of high energy players Livingston who get about the game and snap into tackles and put you under pressure um, You know, traditionally on that artificial surface whether people like it or not you don't get many good games it's normally scrappy and bitty so Hearts will have to deal with that you know, as I said they've been to Petodre and lost they've been to Fir Park and lost and now lost away at Celtic so Robbie if they want to challenge for that third place and stay in third place they have to learn how to win away from home win ugly win when they're not playing well but I think it's Livingston five games without a win mm. you know and just when you thought they'd turned the corner and they got away from it they're now starting to come back into it and if Ross County win tomorrow against St Johnson they go off the bottom Livingston go bottom because Livingston yeah. don't play to Sunday so they'll know their fate come the game time but ultimately Daly won't worry about that just now but he will want some sort of response from his players because you said they were poor yeah, during the week they against were Aberdeen. So yeah. they need a response. Otherwise, they're going to be involved in a dogfight at the bottom. And yet last weekend, uh, they were pretty decent in the game because they were two down early on against Rangers. Came back, scored one, uh, could have scored another. Alan McGregor had a, a wonder yeah. save to, to stop it being all square at halftime. It ended up losing 3-1, but uh, they had that great spell in the game where they showed exactly what they're capable of doing, Neil. Yeah, listen... Going to Livingston is a hard place to go in that surface. I don't think any of the Premiership teams enjoy going there. You know, it's just a battle, it's a scrap. You know, you've got to go and really earn your three points there. And, you know, Livingston have relied on their home form over the last sort of three or four years, and that's why they've done so well. And and obviously they've been struggling of late, but they will be thinking they've got three home games out of their next four, and Davey will be thinking that they need to start picking up their home form, picking up some points um, to get out of the bit of the rut they're in. But... Um, you know, Hearts will fancy it. Hearts will be thinking there's a chance to get another three points. Um, they'll go there, you know, full of confidence after the performance at Parkhead. Obviously not the result. Um, but listen, it's always a hard game when you go to Livingston. So, you know, it will be scrappy. It'll be a bit of a cup tie. Both teams desperate for the points. Um, so it should, it should be a good game. The dust still settling on uh, that game last night and that big decision. Uh, was it offside? Was it onside? Well, it was given and it was Kyogo's 14th of the season and it was the only goal of the game. And Celtic stayed four points behind Rangers in the Premiership. But uh, uh, as ever, uh, the talking points come around. VAR is being much spoken about on the back of that. Uh, and when Giovanni van Bronckhorst held his media conference today, the subject of full-time referees also came up. I think sometimes maybe it's not easy for refs because they have their normal jobs and then have to officiate uh, games. So in an ideal world, of course, uh, I, think, I think if you speak to the refs as well, uh, they would be uh, much better if, if they can have the, uh, the full-time jobs because they, they can do what they love. But for me, uh, it's always better to have uh, full-time uh, officials. How do you feel about that, Craig's full-time referees? Um, my point about it previously has been that just because you go full-time, it doesn't make to say that you can see things better you know mm -hmm. it may make them slightly fitter but I would imagine those guys are training four or five nights a week you know they're not just training one or two nights and hoping that it works on a Saturday their fitness levels can they get any fitter possibly whether they look at things differently analyse games a bit better 
you know, maybe that's more to the point that they can yeah. speak about teams and players and patterns within games, you know, because you can be able to study teams and see what the kind of pattern is. So they almost not have an idea of the game before they go out, arrive to it, but they've they've thought about it during the week. They've watched certain players. If someone always goes down easy, that's something to keep an eye on. They can probably go a little bit deeper in the other aspects of the game. Is it just referees or is it referees' assistants? Because surely they're part of a refereeing yeah. team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. suddenly then you'd have to employ... 50, 60 people probably. Mm -hmm. You know, as their finances, that I mean, we can't get VAR in to help them. I think, first of all, get VAR to help them. And then if we feel full-time referees after that. Plus, we'd have a window. You know, you, referees don't referee for 30 years. You know, mm -hmm. is, is it worthwhile if somebody got a teaching job or they own their business? Would it be viable for them? So True. there's lots of things to take into consideration. If it was as simple as let's make them full-time and all problems will go away, well, then let's do it. But, but I think there's bigger problems too. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a difference between part-time players and full-time players, obviously. And, and you know, a, a, great, a better standard is expected of a full-time player to a part-time player. Would the same not apply to referees, Neil? Well, you'd like to think so, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm in, in favour of it. I mean, anything I think we can do to make the game better, obviously, if we're going the whole hog and getting v, VAR, let's, let's get the referees in full-time. And I'm, I'm not just saying get them in running every day you know, or, or getting their eyes tested every day. It's a case of maybe even sitting down all together on a Monday morning, Tuesday, and looking at video analysis, looking at the games, looking at the decisions they made, explaining why they made them decisions, and maybe get a, a different point of view from other referees or anyone else and saying, well, this is what I would have done. Just get different scenarios, different, different scenarios, different um, reactions, different opinions, and it's going to make their learning of the whole game, how they see things, a bit better. And if that, you know, improves them 5-10%, then that, that's better for Scottish football. And that's what we want. We want a better product. And if VAR's coming in, which is going to make Scottish football better, more professional, let's get let's be more professional with the referees. Give them a chance to improve. Give them the time. You know, because I'm sure they're going to work and they're coming home and maybe going to the gym, doing a run or whatever. Give them the time where they can, through the week, they can, they can spend time watching decisions, watching games, analysing their own performance, analysing other referees, even abroad down south, get why they make the decisions they make, get into the positions that they do. Um, and end of the day, that's going to help everybody. You know, if you can make the ref referee slightly better, then it's going to help everyone. Can you imagine a full-time referee getting the decision wrong? Do you know how much he's getting every single game? <laughs> and he can't get that... Yeah. that just, I, I just yeah. opens another yeah. cynical avenue for people to go down when yeah. things don't go well. But, you know... I, I, I think Neil and I are on the same wavelength. Mm. It's not just about on the pitch and being fit. It's about other aspects of the game and how they can learn. The only thing about football is, you know, it changes quickly and decisions happen during games. I mean, how much money would they get paid? Is it worthwhile for well, people to give up jobs? Yeah, but, All these things yeah, can Yeah, but, but if you're asking for a full-time commitment, then obviously you're going to have to pay more for it. Yeah. And maybe then you're going to attract more people to refereeing. So you might lift the standard because actually more people want to do it because it's not... Yeah. It's not part-time. It can be no, your full-time full job. job. Yeah, your, your occupation. But you just wonder then where that finance comes from. Mm. Does that come from the SFA? You know, do the clubs have to invest more in that to try and get full-time refs? Do they get a sponsor? Uh, does UEFA get involved or FIFA? You know, if they have, yeah. a, you know, is there is, is there possible a possibility for grants to help full-time referees? Yeah. You'd imagine they've looked at all that. They've investigated it all. Uh, and with Hugh Dallas, who certainly was involved with UEFA or mm. FIFA, you wonder just would he be looking to push something like that because. Yeah. If it's a viable option, then absolutely, let's go for it. But as usual, the pound signs uh, might yeah. have the might have the final say. Uh, what will be the pound signs surrounding the transfer market for Rangers in the window in uh, January? Will there be outgoings? Will Rangers keep what they have and and hope they're going to get that uh, 
bonanza at the end of the season and uh, a route into the Champions League or uh, is there a pressure to sell if Giovanni van Bronckhorst wants to buy you? I'd imagine he's had those discussions before he took the job. He was asked today about the window. Well, I don't know yet. It's a difficult one, you know, of course, as a as a coach, I've, I've had many uh, transfer windows. It's it's hard to predict what will happen, you know, because, you know, anything can happen. I'm, I, I know that. But uh, the most important thing is to be prepared in whatever comes. And uh, that's where all the work will, will, will have to be done in, in now until the transfer window opens. But it can go either way. But hopefully at the end of the window, we are uh, we have a, a better squad than uh, when the transfer windows opens, maybe. He did well there. He managed to turn no comment in about 40 seconds there. Uh, Giovanni van Bronckhorst, uh, non-committal, I think is the phrase that comes to mind uh, on that one. What do you think, Neil? What, what do you think? I don't believe well, him. I don't believe what he said. I don't believe no. that he doesn't know what he's no. got. He knows no. exactly what, if if he has got the chance to bring in players, how much he's got, who needs to go. He'll know everything. Because that's bound to have been spoken about. Of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't come into that job no. with, you know, blindfolded. He wants to know everything before he, he commits himself to that job. Um, under Steven Gerrard I would probably have said maybe Rangers might have been able to bring in one player um, but obviously bringing in a new manager he'll have new ideas new players that he wants to bring in to strengthen his squad so he might get the purse strings might get maybe uh, loosened a wee bit he might bring, bring in two or three but that might he might be told to get rid of two or three to bring in two or three you just don't know but he'll definitely know what he needs to do It's all about winning the league um, so it's a, it's a matter of is it a matter of what Celtic are doing as well? Looking across the city and wondering how much Celtic are mm. going to man up in terms of their, their squad and, and what Rangers can do yeah. to, to an already strong and deep squad. And, and even in terms of numbers, Crags, do, do they have to be thinking about squeezing one or two out before getting yeah, one well, or two in? Well, I was just writing down some names there as, as he was speaking. Bakuna wasn't even in the matchday squad last night. Ran Jack wasn't in the matchday squad. So... Not that Ranjak's going to move on, but if he comes back into it, then someone else yeah. has to drop out. He's going to be involved uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, incidentally, uh, tomorrow afternoon in yeah. some shape or form. Yeah, Jack Simpson, Scott Wright, uh, Brandon Barker, Stephen Kelly, John Lundstrom. Mm-hmm. You know, Ranjak's faded out of the picture. Faded out of the picture. So, so you know, so suddenly you might have to streamline your squad. You might have to think, well, we'll have to move two or three on, even out in loan, get some sort of return for them, even if it's just a loan. Uh, part of their wages and then look to bring some in but because of the system or the way they've started to play under Van Broncos I think he wants his wingers to play slightly wider mm-hmm. he doesn't want them yeah. playing as inverted yeah. forwards anymore so the only real out and out winger they have who has played recently is Ryan Kent so I just wonder would he be looking for a pacey winger on the other side which would give the back four a little bit more protection because Barisic and Tavernier don't have to be those overlapping players all the time you know Giannis Hadji can play inside he doesn't really want to go outside when Arebo plays on the right hand side he wants to come inside mm. so he might want a couple of players to go around the outside you look at Jota and you look at Abada and you look at Forrest they don't mind going around the outside of fullbacks and crossing balls into the box whereas Rangers haven't really traditionally played that way with their wide men so he might look for a pacey wide man plus then if he wants to play with a number 10 which is what he'd done against Sparta Prague with Davis and, and, and Kamara with Aribo as the 10. Aribo's probably not naturally a 10. So then does he look for someone to play in that number 10 role, someone who that's their more specific position? But the players we're talking about, when, when Neil said it earlier with regards, Celtic look better going forward and fluency-wise and, and chances created. Maybe Rangers need those two extra players to try and bring that rhythm that Celtic have. But it's interesting, isn't it? The, the recruitment process 
could change quite radically when one manager goes out and the other one comes in in terms of the way he plays and, and what he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, su- suddenly Rangers are looking for the, the wide players that Craig's is talking about there, whereas previously it was more inside yeah. forwards. It's, it's a bit like a game of chess. I mean, Rangers might believe that the squad they've got just now man for man is better. And if Celtic don't do anything, they don't maybe need to do anything because mm-hmm. they think, well, we're better all round. But, you know, an interesting thing might be if Steven Gerrard comes calling for a Ryan Kent or a Joe Rebo and takes them to Aston Villa which then you know Rangers need to replace these but obviously they get the money in but if, if nothing that happens they might think well we're okay but you say they might have to if Celtic do something they might need to respond uh, because there's such a big pot at the end of the season you know to win the league the the prize at the end of it is so big that they might think well do you know what we don't mind spending 5-10 million because if we win the league and that's the difference between winning the league we might get 30-40 million back from guaranteed Champions League so you know it may be worth the gamble and um, you know the the money at the end of it will be worthwhile the gamble. I'd be surprised if Gerard comes for Kent in January, just because I, I was doing something last week. I was doing some BT and I was watching English games and Aston Villa have about six wingers, you know, and they've spent a lot of money. Is it Leon Bailey mm-hmm. from uh, where did he come from? Leon, something like 36, 35, 36 million. Uh, Buendia they bought from Norwich for. 35 million so for two mm. players he spent 65 yeah. million Ashley Young's now playing as a left-sided player and it's like uh, Ollie Watkins played there last week El Ghazi's another one uh, Trezeguet who, who played at uh, where did I see Trezeguet playing did he play Leon as well possibly you know so mm. you're suddenly thinking they're they're stocked so you'd imagine he would have to try and move someone mm. to try and create space and then do the Aston Villa players look at Ryan Kent and think well he's the player to take us into the top six because you imagine that's where Aston Villa want to be heading for is the top six so whether they come now, whether they come in the summer, he may come for one or two. Gerard, he may have a nibble, uh, a nibble at one or two. Nathan Patterson seems to, uh, Patterson seems to be another one that is uh, getting linked with him. But uh, I wouldn't bank on Gerard coming for any Rangers players in January. Do you think that could happen, Neil? Do you think Nathan Patterson? Do you think it could be? Could there be an auction in January? I mean, I think Everton have already been quoted with an interest. I mean, Stephen yeah. Gerrard is bound to have an interest because he was raving about him when he was Rangers manager. Yeah, there's always going to be speculation with with these players, especially with the Stephen Gerrard link and Stephen Gerrard leaving to go to you know a big English club with a big budget. You know, maybe a lot of people feel that he can afford what Rangers are looking for for these players. Um, as I say, I can agree with Stephen. I don't think. You know, Stephen Gerrard will come calling just yet. You know, I think um, he'll want to assess his own squad. As he said, he's got plenty of wingers. He's, he'll have loads of talent down there. So he'll want to assess what he's got before he makes any rash decisions. He'll know what's up here. And he might know that I'll just wait patiently, maybe see their contract run down and then maybe get them at the last minute, get them a bit cheaper. Um, he won't want to pay over the odds. Um, but Rangers have got some good young quality so um, they'll want to keep a hold of them rather than letting them go as well He was asked about bringing defenders in today Well we have to see how, how it will develop the coming weeks of course the, the transfer window will, will open so uh, we are uh, discussing what, what has to be done but uh, so far nothing has decided yet in uh, bringing some new players in, uh, in defence I don't know what Dutch is for playing a straight bat, but uh, but uh, he's certainly demonstrating it there uh, as he fields all those questions. Naturally, he's not going to give anything away about what Rangers are going to do in the window. Uh, but defensively, well, you would you would he'll know what's happening with Conor Goldson at the moment. Discussions yeah. ongoing. He he told us earlier Ross Wilson is still in contact with with Goldson's agent about whether. 
Uh, he's going to depart uh, at any stage. Uh, Phil Hollander uh, is coming back, back. from from injury. I think I think Leon Balogun's on his way back, but maybe he won't be involved uh, tomorrow. Um, so resources are a bit thin, aren't they, central defensive wise? And he's got Jack Simpson, who hasn't been involved for no. a long time. You know, so you'd imagine Jack Simpson would be another one who could possibly move out in January to free up some sort of money. But you know, if you get Hollander back and Balogun fit and and Golson fit. I think you've got enough there because you've got Calvin Bass, you've got potentially Jack Simpson. So you'd imagine one or two would have to move on before they strengthen that area. This is the Go Radio Football Show on a Friday, looking ahead to a big Premiership weekend. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go, go, go. Ange Postacoglu wasn't over-impressed last night with uh, Robbie Nielsen's comments after the match, uh, after Celtic beat Hearts 1-0 when the Hearts head coach uh, suggested uh, that they'd not been beaten by Celtic, they'd been beaten by the referee and his officials. And uh, the response from the Celtic gaffer was uh, that uh, his team could have won by considerably more than one goal uh, had they taken all their chances, they have to be more ruthless, he says. Pleased with uh, generally the performance, pleased with the result, obviously. Um, a bit frustrated because our, our sort of finishing in the front third was, you know, we just need to be a bit more ruthless. We, we need to put teams away for our dominance. And if we didn't, so we kind of kept them in the game a little bit um, all the way through. Uh, having said that, we still defended well. I mean, I think Joe had one real sort of outstanding save to make, so it's good signs from, from a defensive point of view. But yeah, just frustrated because. Like I said, I thought we could have been a bit more ruthless in the front third. Everybody's been talking about whether the goal uh, should have been given or not given. Um, everybody's been, well, we've been talking on the show about the fact that Jota in recent times uh, has overshadowed Kyogo. But it's his 14th goal of the season so far uh, for the Japanese striker, Neil. And, and if he keeps up that sort of strike rate, I mean, he's going to be 25 to 30, isn't he, in the campaign? He's been, you know, a breath of fresh air. You know, from from minute one when he came in, and he was he was getting Celtic win after win after win, almost by himself, single handedly getting them up the table. Um, obviously, Jota's got better as as the games have come on, and the two of them are just been you know, a fantastic pairing together. You know, it must be a joy for a Celtic fan to go and watch them play week in week out, and, and the goals return that they're getting. You know, you, you want to get them on long term contracts. You know, they're, they're massive players for Celtic. He looks quite a durable sort of character as well, mm. Kyogo. He's just, he seems to bounce off people at times. He's not the biggest, but uh, he, he seems to quite like the rough and tumble. He does, and, you know, he always it always amazes me how he finds space in the box. I've said that previously, that, you know... Especially uh, when he's offside. Yeah, particularly, especially <laughs> when he gets four yards, it's free in the box. There's nobody near him. <laughs> but, you know, just when the penalty box is congested, and I mean, he's got to go to Dundee where the penalty box was congested, yet the smallest player in the box manages to find a little bit of space. So he's a clever footballer, there's no doubt about it. And even last night at times, I think Hearts had a corner, the ball came to the edge of the box. He pressed some and it went back to Michael Smith in the halfway line. He pressed him as well and went back to Craig Gordon. So he instigates a lot of the repressing moves. You know, he, he drags players with him. So often he's been the instigator, he's been the catalyst for players to think, well, he's chasing, I'm locking in. He, he sets off the press an awful lot what he does. But he's so dynamic in behind. He's quick, he's sharp, he's always alert. He's got involved with a couple of players over the past few weeks. Mm -hmm. Some opposing players aren't happy how he's fallen about and he's getting involved. But I think he's just now starting to realise in Scotland, you have to stand up for yourself sometimes. Yeah. So he's not frightened to give a little bit out. And he takes plenty, let's be honest. But certainly he's a smashing football player. Yeah, 
And uh, it would have to be some performance alongside them to overshadow him. And that's exactly what's happened recently with, with Jota. It remains to be seen how much football he is going to miss, uh, having golf, gone off injured. Uh, and maybe uh, the eye will come off the ball, in a sense, because at, at the moment the Celtic fans are desperate to have that loan deal from Benfica turned into a, a permanent arrangement. And certainly over the in, in recent weeks as he I think he was 5-5 five and five, uh, at one stage maybe 7 goals for the season Jota yeah, some, something, something, like, like something like that um, uh, the Celtic fans are, you know are looking at Neil at 6.5 million which seems to be the asking price for a permanent deal that actually you know looks pretty good value Very, doesn't it for what yeah, he gives for, for, especially nowadays with the, the transfer sort of wages some people are getting valued at that's you know that's a drop in the ocean obviously for Scottish football for Celtic it's obviously a lot of money but when you're getting that kind of quality player who's going to score you, you know, maybe 15, 20 goals a season and going to create a lot for your your teammates around you, you know, it's it's money very well spent. And that money could be the difference between you getting in the Champions League automatically and in the Europa League. So, um, you know, it's a no-brainer for me. He's come, he's proved how good he is. He's proved that he's finding Scottish football enjoyable. You know, he's, he's expressing himself. And, um, you know, for, for, for just Scottish football in general, to have something like that in Scotland... Um, you know the two of them the two of them just for Scottish football it, it's fantastic and it's um, you know the longer he's in Scottish football the better for us I'm not sure for entertainment. I'm not too sure the Jota deal is as simple and straightforward as mm. selling of a drink agreed a fee so if they pair it happens the player then still would have to agree personal terms and say this is where I want to come to Yeah. so if he turned around and said well yeah. actually I've got a team in England who might want to take me then I'm going to refuse the transfer Benfica then would go and negotiate with someone else. And so uh, that's as far as I'm aware. It's not as simple and straightforward mm. as we have that locked in. That's the fee. He can't go anywhere. We have him imprisoned. He's mm. coming. He's going to be a Celtic yeah. player. He would still, along with his agents, have to agree personal terms and agree the contract and agree a buyout clause. You know, for him to go and sign yeah. for Celtic. So it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it's all signed and sealed yeah. that if Celtic agree, there's other things to take place. And I would be surprised if there is clubs down in England monitoring his progress yeah. because he has done done exceptionally mm. well and there'll be teams thinking yeah we could do with him and listen Scottish teams can't compete with what the English teams can pay you know they can double his wages mm. they can double the price tag if they want and um, he, he might be using Celtic as a as a stepping stone you know being in the mm -hmm. being in the shop window looking to try and get down south because listen everybody wants to go and play in the English Premiership um, I think we don't but like for Celtic to get it done and get it done quickly before you know if they can get it tied up quickly before yeah. an English team comes sniffing then you know I, I, I would you know, really encourage them to do that, and I'm sure they are. I think we'd all like to see the small, the small print, wouldn't we? Because we're very much aware of the the Jack Hendry deal that went against Celtic. Yeah, uh, but Jack Hendry agreed to terms because he knew he was moving yeah. on somewhere else. Yeah, you know, Jack Hendry probably wouldn't have went and signed and played another season at his end. Mm. You know, but because he knew Bruges were coming in, that deal is probably already struck. Whenever we, which we knew it, mm. you know, if we, if we buy him for our, the agreed fee of what a million pound, two million pound, whatever it is, we're going to sell you for six, right? That's fine. I'm going to sign for them because I'm moving to them. So that's why it was all agreed. You know, whereas the Celtic one's slightly different. That the you know, the, like sorry, if Jack Henry hadn't agreed to go to Ustend full time. Mm. He wouldn't have ended up in Bruges. Yeah, and, and you were talking about the 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 differential um, in wages between Scottish Premiership and and even English Championship, and yeah. and and that that's that's probably uh, or or Premiership where where Jota to go to the Premiership. Yeah. But but it got me thinking about there about John Souter when you were talking because mm. that's probably the very reason John Souter will want this next deal for him to be the right one because of the in the, the his medical history apart from anything yeah, and else, and and that might be the reason that Rangers or Celtic yeah. can't get him. And and listen, at the end of the day, it's a job. You know, you get paid for 
doing something you're you're good at and you've got a certain skill and you've got a family to provide for and you've got to to live the rest of your life footballers careers only a short spell and, and you retire an outfield player retires maybe 34 35 years of age you've got a lot of the rest of your life to live you know if you can financially have the money behind you because you you've went down to England and, and got big wages and a big signing on fee and that sets you up for the rest of your life you know you, you can, you can't really disagree with a player taking that option. Obviously, every fan would like a John Suter at every club and to, for him to dedicate himself to Hearts for the next 10 years and, and play for Hearts for the rest of his life. But it's not going to happen. These players, you know, have got, they've got mortgages, they've got bills to pay. And if they can get, you know, more money, double their money down south, they're going to take that option. It's, you know, it's a job at the end of the day. I asked Craig's this question earlier on, Neil. Is it Rangers and Celtic pulling away at the moment? Is that is that... Is that trend going to continue through December and beyond yeah. the turn of the year? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, it was always going to happen. You know, it was great having Hearts. Dungeon United have started really well. Um, you thought Hibs would have been in the mix as well, trying to close the gap. But, I mean, they're so strong. And they're just getting better as the weeks go on. You know, and if they do both strengthen in January, um, it's just going to be a two-horse race again. You know, I don't think it'll be as... Um, as one-sided as it was last year, I don't think any one team will, will, will win it by 25, 30 points. I think it's going to be a lot closer this season. Let's get your predictions on the six Premiership games before we go. Uh, starting with Aberdeen, St Mirren tomorrow, Craggs. Well, St Mirren really struggling for goals. They, you know, I watched them on Wednesday night against Ross County and for all the play and all the balls in the box, I was never convinced they were going to score. So I would say an Aberdeen narrow home victory 1-0. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, we'd have said the same. Home win for Aberdeen against St Mirren. Hibs against Motherwell. We've spoken about it in the course mm -hmm. of the show. Uh, what's your idea of a scoreline there, Craigs? I think Motherwell get a point. I think they've they've got enough about them to go there and upset Hibs and get in about them and be, be a threat from set plays, be physical. And they've got pace up front with Willery. And if Tony Watt can keep his form up, then absolutely. I think Motherwell will get a point there tomorrow. No idea what it'll be. Is the trend going to continue for Hibs no. in terms of league results? I'm going to go Motherwell win. Right. I was really, really impressed with the Motherwell front three against mm. Dundee United. I thought they caused them so many, many problems. And with Tony Watt in goal scoring form, you know, he's always, you know, he's got a goal in him. So Hibs are struggling a wee bit. Obviously, they've got the firepower up front of, of Boyle and, and Nisbet and can always, you know, cause you problems. But I'm just going to make Motherwell 1 0. I'm going to stick with you because you're going to be watching that game tomorrow. Rangers Dundee. Yeah, Rangers. You know, no doubts about it. I think Rangers, especially at home, um, quite comfortable. I think maybe three 0 No surprises at Ibrox, Crags? No, I don't think so. I think it'll be a real test for the Dundee back four. No, Liam Fontaine came in during the week. I think Rand Sweeney played there as well. So they will come under all sorts of pressure. The important thing, or the interesting thing, will be what team Giovanni van Bronckhorst picks. Will he go Morelos again, or will he bring Kimar Roof back? In Perth, could St Johnson finish up bottom of the Premiership? Um, I hope so. <laughs> just because I want Ross County to win yeah, I do a little bit of work for them I watch what Malky's doing they're improving three clean sheets in their last five they're picking up points they're back in the pack so tomorrow's not a defining day but it's a big day for them psychologically they could get a win tomorrow in Perth that would give them so much belief to kick on so is that I'm the gonna, one for you? I'm going to go, for, for, a, I'm go for a away win and uh, Neil on that one for me that's got no no written all over it <laughs> <laughs> yeah enjoy Craig's. it's got a draw I'm seeing, I'm seeing a draw um, yeah big it's a massive game it's a must win for both but I must not lose for both as well you know um, you know I don't I, I can't imagine it's going to be a, a high scoring game I think oh. it'll be very very tight game okay let's double up on Sunday Dundee United Celtic and Livingston Hearts Neil 
I think Dundee United will go into the game confident. Obviously, they beat Rangers at, at Tannadice and the last time they went to Parkhead, they took a point. So they won't be fearing Celtic, but I just think Celtic are too strong. So I'd fancy Celtic to win that. Cracks. Celtic and Hearts double. I think Dundee United, if they play as bad as what they did on Tuesday, it, it could be a heavy scoreline. I think they'll improve slightly, but I still think Celtic will have too much. Hearts will nick it by one goal. Thanks, Craigs. Thanks, Neil. Uh, that's it from us. Enjoy your weekend. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go, go, go. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees, they even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.